Recorded live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Rebel Rise Live podcast. I'm David Johnson, along with your co-host, Dave Bevan, co-host and producer. I want to get that in at the front of this podcast, how much we appreciate Dave Bevan and all the hard work he puts forth in producing our podcast. As Dave is blushing right now, I can see through my uh, microphone. (laughs) But uh, it is time as in time for the NCAA baseball tournament to get underway, which it will do tomorrow afternoon, Friday afternoon at Swayze Field in Oxford, Mississippi. There is NCAA baseball, regional baseball in God's country. First game tomorrow starts at 3 o'clock Central Time, the Tulane Green Wave and the Boston College Eagles. Boston College in Oxford to play baseball. Isn't that a novelty? Probably not nearly as much as Ole Miss's opening day opponent, which happens to be the Utah Utes of the Pac-12 Conference. Ole Miss and Utah will play at 7 o'clock Friday night, and you all know how all of that goes. It depends on when Tulane and Boston College finish up as to exactly when Ole Miss and Utah will start. Scheduled time, 7 o'clock, but if if the Green Wave and the Eagles push things along a little further, or Mother Nature, there's some chance for some rain this weekend to kind of uh, slice up this NCAA Oxford Regional. Uh, but 7 o'clock, the, uh, the given start time for that. Those are Friday's games. Saturday, the elimination game. Game three of this NCAA regional will start at 1 o'clock Central Time. Game four, the winner's bracket game, will follow at 5 o'clock. And then here's how Sunday sets up. You'll have the winner of Saturday's elimination game playing the loser of Saturday's winner's bracket game in an elimination tilt at 1 o'clock. So as soon as the church doors open for you to get out Sunday, head out to Swayze Field, and you can watch an elimination game. And then Championship game round one set for 5 o'clock Sunday evening at Swayze Field. And I say round one because if the team with one loss beats the team without a loss, that's going to carry things over into Monday for a prime time 7 o'clock Monday night winner-take-all regional title game. That Monday game might not happen if the uh, if there's a team that goes 3-0 and in this regional, there will be no need for a Monday game. But uh, but it does loom as a possibility. You remember a few years ago uh, that happened with Ole Miss. Uh, trying to remember what regional that was. But that has happened here before where things have had to carry in to Monday. Ole Miss making its 21st NCAA tournament appearance. 21. Pretty darn good. Seven SEC teams in the NCAA tournament this year. They're all hosting regionals, first-round regionals. Ole Miss has made five Super Regionals and five College World Series appearances in the history of their program. Those five College World Series appearances, excuse me, coming in 1956, 1964, 1969, 1972, when I was a mere one year old, and then 2014, of course, and that's the one that most everyone remembers. In seven of their last ten, and I'm just throwing out some facts here, just kind of setting the table for you. Seven of their last ten NCAA regionals, Ole Miss has advanced to the regional championship game. 
this team certainly has a chance, Dave, when you look at you know, they're number five in the nation in RPI, ranked as high as number six in the national polls. They've won 43 games. And to be honest with you, up until about the eighth inning in Hoover last weekend against Texas A&M, they were probably the hottest team in the, in the best conference in all of college baseball. When you look back to what they did in order defeating Texas A&M in College Station, Georgia, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, before Wyatt Short, of all people, kind of had a bad outing, probably the worst outing of his Ole Miss career against uh, a very, very good Texas A&M Aggies baseball team that a lot of people think might just win this whole thing. That Texas A&M club is very, very good. But we're talking about the Oxford Regional today. The starting pitching has been set for Ole Miss's game versus Utah. No surprise the Rebels are going to throw out junior right-hander Brady Bramlett. Bramlett has kind of occupied the Friday night starter role for the Rebels throughout the season this year, 8-3 and three overall, 3.14 ERA. He's going up against the Utah Utes ace, a sophomore right-hander by the name of Jason Rose, a strikeout artist, set the Utah single-season record for strikeouts this year, has 103 and 102 innings pitched. He'll bring an 8-5 and five record and a 2.62 ERA to the hill. So that's Friday night's first round pitching matchup, and uh, it should be a doozy. And, and, and you're hearing a lot of chatter out there, Dave Bevan, about this regional being perhaps the toughest of the 16 going on this weekend. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, and it, it, it's very accurate, you know, that, uh, you know, when you when you look at the, uh, the, the statistics of things, uh, Tulane, and Boston College, they, they arrive in, into the Oxford Regional at, at large bids into the uh, NCAA tournament, and then Utah uh, claiming, you know, the, the Pac-12 championship uh, there to, you know, earn that bid. So, uh, and, and you look at everything on on, uh, on paper, it, it's a uh, it, it, it's a very talented uh, field. You know, uh, Tulane has. Uh, Got some common opponent, opponents uh, with with uh, Ole Miss this year. They they uh, I, I believe took two games away from LSU uh, in, in the regular season. So uh, you know that that proves their talent there. So uh, I don't believe there is uh, a common opponent there in uh, Boston College. So uh, that will be uh, interesting to see. You know, as Ole Miss has, has not had a common opponent this season. Uh, with uh, Boston College, so if, if they do get matched up in, into this regional against one another, that that will be interesting. But you have to imagine, you know, David, that this team is uh, almost coming in into this uh, tournament as, with a little chip on their shoulder because, you know, uh, just reactions afterwards, you you would think that, you know, uh, and and the Ole Miss fan base believed it as well as the team that they were a uh, very um, uh, deserving team to uh, grab a national seed. And uh, well, this is a team. This is a team that's had a chip on its shoulder since the beginning of the season. The highest it was ranked, I believe, mm-hmm. in any of the preseason national polls, was number twenty-four. Uh, so, and, and predicted to finish in the lower half of the SEC West, which uh, you know that's really no slight to anyone as tough as the SEC West is. Uh, when it comes to to baseball or, or, or 
anything else for that matter, the SEC West is the best division and the best conference in all of college athletics. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I, I mean, I think there's a little bit of uh, perhaps feeling slighted. You take two of three from LSU, yet they are, mm-hmm. they're a national seed. Uh, you're paired up against uh, the, the, the Miami Regional, where Miami is a number three national seed. So, you know, if you want to provide some logic to that, uh, then, you know, count backwards. That means maybe in the eyes of the NCAA Tournament Committee, Ole Miss was like the 14th out of the 16 national hosts. Uh, if you're going to pair up with number three, Miami, then, you know, the bracket says it's, or suggests that, that Ole Miss was 14th in their mind. Now, that's not always the uh, the, the conventional wisdom that they apply right there, but uh, to have to go to Miami for a super regional is no reward. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, and the field is set. Ole Miss practicing uh, uh, this morning, by the way, uh, 10 o'clock to 11.15. The Rebels are on the field. Tulane practices from 11.30 to 12.45 today. Boston College, 1 to 2.15. And Utah from 2.30 to 3.45. Uh, so that's the practice schedule. And then uh, tomorrow uh, it all starts taking place. And when you're talking about uh, – Let's talk about number two seed Tulane. This is a team that uh, won the American Athletic Conference. This is a team that played LSU twice, as you mentioned, during the regular season, beat the Tigers both times. LSU and Ole Miss combined with a 4-1 record against LSU, who is a national seed. That's That's one indicator of how tough this Oxford Regional is. Then you want to talk about Utah. Yeah, they are. They're 25 and 27. And when you look at that, your eyebrows kind of raise a little bit. But a 19 and 11 record, I believe, in the Pac-12. They were the Pac-12 champions. Got two conference champions in this field, Tulane and Utah. And then Boston College, you know, the first thing that might enter your mind about Boston College is, oh, they're from snowy Massachusetts, and they don't play the same kind of baseball that we play down south up in north partly because Mother Nature doesn't allow a young man to grow up uh, in in Massachusetts or in New England playing baseball 10 months out of a 12-month calendar year. Can't do it. The weather, the snow on the ground, the ice, the frigid temperatures. Don't forget this about Boston College, though. Boston College doesn't play in some uh, obscure Yankee conference. Boston College is an ACC team. And if there's any conference in America that rivals the SEC at baseball, Mm -hmm. it is the ACC. Boston College managing to go 31-20, and playing an ACC schedule, uh, nothing to – to sniff at right there. Now you look at uh, team batting averages. Utah comes in with the highest team batting average, 281. Ole Miss second at 279, followed by Tulane at 267, and Boston College at 266. Runs per game. Ole Miss tops at 6.2 runs per game. Following the Rebels in this field, Tulane at 5.9, Utah at 5.4, Boston College at 4.9. As far as the long ball goes, Tulane, your biggest threat. They've hit 60 dingers on the year. Speed on the base pass, which is something you think, you know, when you think of Ole Miss, you think they're, they're, they're pretty speedy on the bat, base pass. They're dead last in this, in this Oxford Regional in terms 
of bases stolen. Boston College coming in with 71 stolen bases this year, followed by Utah with 55, Tulane with 52, the Rebels have 49. Now, what does that mean? I think it means Henry Lartigue is going to have a very busy weekend, and his health is of the utmost importance, which, by the way, we hear he's fine. But behind that plate, Lartigue's going to have to be ready to, uh, to to pull out his gun, so to speak, because I think all three of these teams in this field uh, the Rebels are facing will try to kill a base on you. ERA standpoint, best in the in this field belongs to the Green Wave, 3.20. Ole Miss second at 3.47, followed by Boston College at 3.65, and Utah at 4.83. Building percentage, the best building team in this entire regional, and it's close. Tulane with a 973 building percentage, followed by Ole Miss at 972, Boston College 970, Utah 967. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Ole Miss's match with Utah. How dangerous the Utes are, and I agree they're they're dangerous. But there's a reason they went 25 and 27 overall, and hopefully uh, that'll that'll be shown Friday night when when the Rebels and the Utes are squaring off. But uh, you know what an eclectic collection of teams for this Oxford Regional, though, Dave. When you talk about you know, Tulane, could certainly see them being here. But then Boston College and Utah, not two schools that play too many athletic events in Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah, and, and one thing I uh, was thinking about, David, uh, you, you pointed out Boston College being, uh, you know, within the ACC, and if you go by the, the bracket, it, it should tell you how how much the ACC competes with SEC in baseball. you got ten teams from the ACC in, in the tournament, and you have seven uh, from the SEC in the tournament. So, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be, a, you know, an Exciting uh, field in in Oxford um, Friday, and you know when when you're watching things, a couple of things uh, to to look for is uh, how hot the middle of the order has been for Ole Miss. Uh, you know, in the SEC tournament, J.B. Woodman, Henry Lartigue, Kobe Bortles, uh, that middle of the order uh, went for a combined 20 for 48 in the in the tournament. That that equals to a, a, a four. Uh, 17 batting average, uh, all were responsible for 15 runs, 18 RBIs, seven doubles, one triple, and uh, two home runs. Woodman and uh, Lartigue both getting each a home run in, in there in Hoover in, in a very uh, lengthy ballpark. Uh, so, uh, you know, Lartigue is, is the uh, SEC's leading uh, catcher uh, with a 362 batting average, including a, you know, 371 slugging percentage. Uh, you know, a lot of questions uh, this, earlier this week, as you mentioned, David, you know, Lartique, he suffered a mild concussion there in the final game against Texas A&M. And uh, like you mentioned, David, uh, from everything that we're hearing, the uh, uh, concussion protocol testing, uh, everything has went fine on that. Uh, everything that we're hearing, he, he should be ready by uh, Friday. And then you got to think, you know, why short, you know, that, that was the worst uh, – outing that I, I've ever seen Wyatt Short in his career at, at Ole Miss. So you have to, you have to imagine uh, it, it's going to be scary to think how he's going to – his next performance is going to be because, like we mentioned with the chip on the shoulder, I think he's going to come in uh, just as much as anybody into this tournament with the chip on his shoulder. He has 11 saves this season, which is fourth in school history. 
uh, 24 in his career, which is third in, in school history. So as much as Ole Miss, you know, stays in into this, the postseason, watch out for Wyatt Short because he could, uh, you know, set some numbers out there. All right. Ole Miss gets underway 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Ole Miss and Utah, of course, that will follow the Tulane-Boston College opening game of the Oxford Regional. Should be an absolute wonderful weekend. We'll have to see if the weather cooperates and how it does. But uh, it's going to be a great crowd, great atmosphere at Swayze Field as Ole Miss tries to advance on in the NCAA tournament, perhaps having to go to Miami and face the Hurricanes next weekend. But you never know what's going to happen in these regional fields. And if anybody other than Miami wins that Miami regional, and there are some teams in there that that could give the Hurricanes some trouble, and Ole Miss can win the Oxford regional, then there would be super regional action in Oxford next weekend. But that's putting the uh, cart way before the horse right there. The Rebels have some business to take care of right now at home in front of them in the form of Utah, Tulane, and Boston College. And uh, so we'll have complete coverage for you of the entire Oxford Regional. Going to be a busy, busy weekend at Ole Miss. Not only do you have the regional tournament going on, but on Friday, as a prelude before things get started over at Swayze, the Manning Center is going to be buzzing as the Ole Miss Elite Camp gets underway. And uh, starting to hear from a few of the top prospects who will be there on tomorrow. Willie Gay tells me this morning he will be there. Of course, he's a four-star linebacker out of Starkville. That uh, I want to tell you, six months ago, I really felt like uh, Willie was trending uh, towards Ole Miss. Uh, obviously, there are some extenuating circumstances out there, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, uh, that, that may have slowed things down with, uh, with Willie Gray. But he's still coming back to Oxford. He'll be on campus all day tomorrow. Second visit since early April. He was here on April 2nd with his mother. Uh, so that is, a, that is one to watch tomorrow. Uh, and then another linebacker coming in from the New Orleans area, Josh Clark, uh, three-star prospect out of Riverdale down in Mattery, Louisiana. But uh, Clark is a, a player. He's got a, a very impressive offer list. He's been hot on Ole Miss for quite some time. He's a priority for the Rebels. He, too, will be in Oxford on Friday, uh, as will uh, Ole Miss offensive line commit Ben Brown, uh, Natchez Cathedral defensive end Will Wallace, a host of others. Stay uh Stay tuned to the Rebel Rise on the Shark Tank message board today, and uh, we'll be providing you names throughout the day as well as throughout tomorrow of some of these top prospects who will be in town. Uh, one 2018 quarterback in uh, Oxford yesterday on Wednesday, John Forback out of Morristown, Tennessee. I spoke with John a little bit this morning. said he had a, had a great visit, uh, was impressed with Ole Miss, threw the ball very, very well. Said he was disappointed Hugh Freeze was not in town, didn't realize Freeze was going to be in Destin for the SEC spring meetings. But uh, Ole Miss and Forback in discussions, uh, he says he's going to talk to them again in around a week or so. And uh, he's a potential guy that uh, the Rebels may try to get in on in the 2018 class. They have not pulled the trigger yet. So that's kind of what uh, – what all is in store, we'll have wall-to-wall camp coverage for you tomorrow. Uh, Dave Bevan and myself uh, posted out at the Manning Center uh, before we uh, take our football helmets off and put our baseball caps on and head mm-hmm. over to Swayze to watch the Rebels play the Utah Utes. And I want to remind everyone these games are going to be broadcast either or on the SEC Network or 
via ESPN3, and you know sometimes they'll make a call uh, depending on what game is on the main SEC network or SEC network plus, uh, really uh, very close to game time. So monitor all that, but at the very least, if it's not on your television, you can go to ESPN3 and watch all of the action. Every single game of the NCAA tournament available via ESPN3 uh, this year, That which is absolutely amazing that you can watch mm-hmm. every single game all across the country on ESPN3. I remember Dave when I was a kid, <laughs> and I had my little TV back in my bedroom, and, and, and I would just pray that the Rebels were going to be on TV on a Saturday or that my, my favorite NFL team back then, the Atlanta Falcons, I've since uh, divorced myself from that love affair with the Atlanta Falcons. But as a kid, I was a huge mm-hmm. Atlanta Falcon fan. Love Steve Barkowski, their quarterback, William Andrews, their running back. They had some great offensive linemen, Mike Ken, the, the legendary center, Jeff Van Note, all of those guys. Kenny Johnson, a cornerback who played at Mississippi State from Moss Point, Mississippi, was on, that, on those teams. And uh, – I was a huge Falcons fan, so uh, Sundays was always a, a wing and a prayer, and we didn't get the TV guy at the house, so I, I didn't know. I just had to turn it on CBS and see which game they had on. So I was hoping the Falcons would play on Sunday and the Rebels on Saturday. And now you look at this day and age, and, boy, these kids are spoiled. Everything's on TV. You don't miss anything. If you can't make it to the stadium, it, it's right there either on your computer or on television, and that is a blessing of modern tech. Technology. So, busy, busy weekend, as we said, in Oxford. Uh, and, um, you know, this is the point of this podcast where we'll segue into the muck, the stuff that, uh, listen, we don't enjoy talking about any more than you enjoy hearing about, but it's on all of our minds, and that's the NCAA investigation. Uh, you know, what's the latest? I can't give you anything further than what Ross Bjork and Hugh Freeze have given you this week. Basically, in, in summary, Hugh Freeze has taken ownership. Ross Bjork is standing by Freeze. And uh, so was Gus Malzahn, by the way, who had some nice things to say about Hugh Freeze in an interview with ESPN, uh, talking about Hugh being a man of integrity, and he's known him for 25 years. And I know those were welcoming comments uh, uh, for Coach Freeze from, from Gus Malzahn. And uh, it's good to see Gus standing up because really and truly the other SEC coaches, not that it's their business to comment on it because it's not. They, they've kind of kept their mouth shut. Gus Malzahn coming out and saying, wait a minute, this is a man of integrity. I've known him for a long, long time. And uh, I know that uh, that's one of our Facebook plays this morning, and it's been getting a lot of positive, positive feedback on uh, Gus Malzahn stepping out and uh, and stepping uh, to the aid of his friend, Hugh Freeze. Where's all this going to go? Listen, guys, it's a guessing game right now. It really and truly is. It may be an educated guessing game, but it is a guessing game. And one thing that sent some shockwaves through some people, some well-respected people, yesterday was Chris Lowe's interview with Paul Feinbaum. Chris Lowe being of ESPN, where he, in fact, indeed said he thought Ole Miss could be on the threshold of possible postseason bans. I'm not hearing that discussed by the Ole Miss brass. Not that they're talking to me or anyone else about this for that matter. That hasn't been part of the 
in-house equation, so to speak, as far as these punishments go. It's really the first time I've heard it raised by, 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 by let's just call it what it is, a respected, respectable journalist from a respected and respectable outlet, Chris Lowe from ESPN. I mean, is it a possibility? Yeah, absolutely. Is it likely? I still don't think it is. I do not think a postseason ban is coming for Ole Miss at this point. But we simply don't know. We simply do not know. You know and, and Dave Bevan and I have talked about this profusely, really, within the last 24 hours. There have been some outlets who have stepped up and defended Ole Miss in terms of, um, you know, there there are no pay-to-play allegations and things like that. But, yeah, you know, we think it's just the wisest thing to do right now is not try to predict what's around the corner, but wait and see what's around the corner. Because we don't want to mislead you from things that we've been told that we can't verify. We want to tell you everything we do know that, that we believe to be truth. But right now, we're, we're, we're going to stay in this mode of reporting the facts of what we do know. And, and, and David, it is a little bit disconcerting when, when you hear someone of Chris Lowe's reputation roll out there on national television that the Rebels could be on the threshold of a postseason ban. Yeah, it, it, it is disconcerting because uh, Chris Lowe, he, he uh, is a very respect, respected uh, journalist in, in, in the field. So, uh, you know, uh, that, that can come uh, to at unease for, for Ole Miss fans. Now for, um, you know, Ole Miss to understand, you know, Ole Miss fans to understand the, the, uh, the, the part that, can feel comforting is is that Ole Miss they're 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 not accepting that at this point. Ole Miss is 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 fighting you know that in their notice of allegations response that that is what they are going to bat for is you know their the self imposed penalties that that they have already implied that that is what they are presenting to the NCAA at, at that point they believe is is enough and you know the NCAA could respond back to that with. Uh, you know, a, a few few more add-on, a few more scholarships than, than what Ole Miss has already self-imposed or, you know, uh, further, um, you know, uh, uh, recruiting restrictions on, on down the road that uh, minor recruiting restrictions on down the road that Ole Miss has already self-imposed. You know, all, all those things are, you know, likely. And, and like you said, David, the, 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 the postseason ban, that, that's not something that is, is – you know, 100% out there that, you know, can happen or could not happen. I mean, it, it is, you know, definitely, you know, in the cards, but that's not what Ole Miss is uh, going out there to, um, you know, accept. They they are wanting to, to fight against a, a postseason ban, and there's no way to, to, to determine how accurate any of that will happen in, in the steps we're currently in into the process. I mean, the next step into the process is Ole Miss presenting its case to the committee of, of infractions and then you know the NCAA comes back with their response you know and that all takes you know months on down the road now also Ole Miss is you know requ- requested a delay in the process uh, because of you know the the uh, recent draft night with the Laramie Tunsil situation Ole Miss is wanting to 
you know, further investigate that and then present that case. That that has not come back as we, we have no information that that has come back that Ole Miss has, you know, received that delay. David, I, I find it, you know, uh, highly unlikely that Ole Miss won't get that uh, delay because, you know, the, it, it is an ongoing investigation. You know, they're wanting to uh, get this out of the way. It's a smart move by Ole Miss because you're wanting to get this whole cloud, you know, off your program, and you definitely don't want to delay something like that, correct? Well, you definitely want it over with, excuse me, as soon as possible. But, you know, here's the thing to factor in, and perhaps this is the most damning thing, but part of the punitive process in all of this is what Ole Miss is going through right now. I mean, damage is being done every single day. You read the stuff that's out there, the angles that that people are taking, and I'm not saying they're incorrect angles, but the damage is being done with every passing second of every passing hour of every single day of the week. There There is perhaps irreparable PR problems for for the program right now. So, of course, you want it gone and out of the way as soon as possible. But but when you measure the the punitive part of this for Ole Miss, the, the penalty, so to speak, they're in the midst of perhaps the worst part of it right now, and that is the fact that every time you click on the Internet, every time you pick up a newspaper, people still do that, every time you turn on the television, there's negative vibes being smeared all over the Ole Miss football program. Now, ultimately, whose fault is that? Well, Hugh Free says he owns it. It's Ole Miss's fault. I mean, there is a situation here. The quicker it's over with, the better. The long, drawn-out process has been brutal. I, you know, I, I just don't recall another NCAA investigation, and maybe because I wasn't living in the midst of it, mm-hmm. that has been just this brutal in the media. And, of course, you know, no one in the history of football or mankind has ever had to go through a draft night meltdown with the entire country and parts of the world watching as Ole Miss did back in Chicago with Laramie Tunsil. Which I have my own opinions about Tunsil's effect on the Ole Miss football program, and perhaps that should be saved for another podcast. But folks, uh, right now it doesn't look that good The legacy Laramie Tunsil is going to leave behind at Ole Miss. I'll digress from that point. But to your point, Dave, obviously you want it over with as soon as possible. Because, again, this is part of the punitive process. This is punishment. Don't look at it any other way. It's punishment. There are newspaper columnists from... Baton Rouge to Knoxville to Orlando to Texas to Los Angeles taking shots at the Ole Miss football program right now. Some of them don't know what the hell they're talking about. 
I think we'll agree on that, Dave. Yeah, um, uh, you're you're absolutely right, David. Uh, and you, if you're going to get any kind of uh, accuracy on on how you you know report things, read the uh, notice of allegations and and Ole Miss's response in, into that uh, uh, before you know making well, the, the, the assumptions of things. Here's the question. Sure, read the notice of allegations. Absolutely, you should. Before you offer your opinion and you go off opining on whatever platform you have, read the damn thing. Yeah, and and I'm going to soak it in. But the problem with that in this day of, and I use this term loosely, journalism, so often it's about the clicks and it's about the speed in getting it out there. You got to beat somebody on this story. You got to get this out there first. You got to have the cheekiest opinion. That's the that's the brutal age of journalism. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it journalism, and I use that term extremely loosely, because nowadays anybody with internet, a laptop, and a smart ass disposition can interject themselves into the to the narrative. And that's generally that's a lot of what you have out there. Yeah, I mean, well, one thing I wanted to point out too, David, uh, you know, all these months, you know, uh the question has been, you know, why why has Old Miss, you know, been uh so quiet through through this whole process and you know, th- this week, Tuesday, uh when when Freeze and, and Ross Bjork were on the Paul, Paul Feinbaum show on ESPN, that's the first time we and uh, you know have heard long extent conversations and, and interviews uh, uh, with the athletic director and and the head coach about uh, about the topic and you know inside Old Miss's uh, notice of allegations response, you know there's report of 20 out of the 28 self-reported. You know, uh, allegation of the allegations. Twenty out of twenty-eight violate potential violations have been self-reported, and then you know they are backing the claim of full cooperation through through the uh, with the NCAA. If the NCAA comes back and says, "Hey, we we need y'all to uh, be quiet," you know, on, on this matter, not you know talk about this, and and I'm not saying that is or isn't what was said, but you know that that's what you do in in those uh, well, types of I, situations. And you I, believe it, the, I believe the term is exemplary cooperation. And, and that's, one thing, that's one thing I'm dead sure about. Ole Miss has cooperated fully mm-hmm. with the NCAA. So if there's any merit to that, and the NCAA says there is, that should certainly play a factor when the final penalties are issued. But here's what yeah. you got to know. Here's what you got to know in reality, okay? This is a high-profile case. And sometimes you, you just have to look at things in the simplest terms. The NCAA's job is to enforce its rules and to extend extend penalties upon those who who break those rules. Everybody in the country is watching this. Everybody. And at the end of the day, the NCAA, not that it has an impeccable reputation, but it matters to them. Just as old Mrs. reputation matters to it. And the NCAA 
and Ole Miss have to come to terms during this negotiation phase of things on how the NCAA doesn't have to eat crow for going, quote, unquote, too light on Ole Miss. And then Ole Miss has to protect its interests. And there has to be an agreeable point. You know, it's like a small-town murder trial, if you want to get down to it. The prosecutor and the defense attorney probably went to kindergarten together. They probably go to church together. They probably eat at the same restaurants. They see each other at the country club. There's some out-of-the-spectrum discussions going on. You have to think there is. There are. Trying to hammer out these details. And in a high-profile case like this, the NCAA is not going to simply go, okay, Ole Miss, we're going to accept what you have suggested and self-imposed upon your own programs, and that's the end of this. Don't expect that. Because these same people that are hammering Ole Miss, justly or unjustly right now, will begin to hammer, hammer the NCAA immediately for going too light on them. And then they'll hammer the fact that, well, the SEC schools are untouchable. The NCAA is afraid of the SEC schools. So Ole Miss is a victim in a lot of ways of, of, of probably the NCAA wanting to, A, get its teeth back a little bit after that Miami debacle, and B, to protect its own self-serving interest of its own reputation. You know, so that's kind of that's kind of in my simple mind where, where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. You know, what's acceptable for Ole Miss, and what's acceptable for the NCAA? It's not going to simply be what Ole Miss has imposed upon itself. If it is, you better give Ross Bjork a million dollar a year raise. Just my opinion. And we're just, I mean, look, this is not a structured conversation we're having here on today's Rebel Rise Live podcast. We're just talking out loud. We're thinking out loud, right along with you, as to what could be in store. Bottom line is, Ross Bjorn doesn't know. Hugh Freeze doesn't know. Right now, the NCAA doesn't know. And anybody out there who's telling you they know, they know they're as stuffed as a Christmas turkey. Because we just don't know right now. We don't know what's around the corner. All of these experts on this situation the night before the NFL draft certainly could not have told you what was going to happen that night to throw a major kink into everything. I will say this in closing. I didn't see a dead gum thing in that notice of allegations letter that I do not wholeheartedly believe does not happen on every single campus at every Power 5 school in America. Throw the tonsil stuff out, but the other stuff, Common occurrences. You know, I mean, I think the monetary value of this was $16,000. Maurice Harris's part in this, Ole Miss defending him, saying it was an innocent misstep. 
I believe that 1,000%. I know Maurice Harris. I know the kind of man Maurice Harris is. He has impeccable character. Impeccable character, I'll say it again. So when the SCA director out of Memphis, who is involved in all of this, comes out and says, listen, Maurice was innocent in this. You better listen to him. He's telling you the truth. I 100% believe that. There are things I don't know. There may be some things I don't believe. But I 100% believe Maurice Harris is innocent in all of this. I'm not saying innocent or not breaking rules. They've admitted that. But he did not knowingly do it. That is my opinion on that. I believe that wholeheartedly. Well, that's where we stand on this Thursday, June 2nd. I told you a couple of months ago, get ready for a lot of hurry up and wait. We're back in the hurry up and wait mode. And as uncomfortable as it makes any of us, that's all we can do right now. Dave, your closing thoughts. You know, uh, just uh, get ready for an exciting weekend of uh, baseball. Um, And like like you mentioned uh, uh, earlier, David, we'll be uh, taking off our football helmets for after the elite camp. And then putting on Really, really, though, don't show up over here wearing that helmet again. You, you looked a little silly last time. Dave rolls his helmet out to the Manning Center, left his mouthpiece at home. Um, but anyway, proceed. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it, it, it's going to be a, a fun, uh, uh, packed weekend. And, uh, of course, I'll, I'll be out there uh, tomorrow with you, David, with the coverage. So, uh, you know, just stick to Rebels 247 because it, it's going to be a, a busy, busy day uh, long into the – uh, nightly hours for uh, David and I with that uh, elite camp uh, being a, a, an afternoon setting. And then you got the Ole Miss baseball team with a uh, nightly game there at Swayze Field, and I'll, I'll be out there for the coverage for that. So it's going to be going to be a, a exciting. Well, just if you're not able to get to Swayze, just settle back in your in your easy chair with your laptop, Follow all of the action all day long on Rebels 247. And again, I always do this, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for giving us part of your day, allowing us to be a part of your your passion, which we know is Ole Miss Athletics. It means the world to us, and we, we, we want to do it for you as best as we possibly can. Don't hesitate to ever drop either Dave or myself uh, you know, the inbox messages, if there's anything we can do for you. Uh, we've just had phenomenal growth with Rebels 247, and, and we look forward to carrying that forward for you and, and an exciting football season where finally we'll get back to talking about nothing but what means the most to you, and that is uh, how this football team is performing on the field and the wins and the losses, and we'll talk all about those this fall. It's going to be a heck of a fall. It's going to be an exciting season. That September 5th season opener at Florida State, uh, I mean, I try not to think about it too much right now because I just get too excited. And then Alabama coming to town in September. Georgia coming to town in September under Kirby Smart. And I'm going to tell you, those Georgia Bulldogs, they're my pick to win the SEC East this year. I know all this stuff that's out there about Tennessee and how close their 
umpteen losses have been and how close they are, okay, I'm going to see it and believe it when they do it. But I think Kirby Smart will light a fire in that Georgia program. I think he already has. And I think this is going to be a big year for the Georgia Bulldogs, which makes that game in Oxford in September huge. And, of course, we learned yesterday CBS picking up the Ole Miss-Alabama game in Oxford, 2.30 kickoff. Vern Lundquist could possibly be a swan song at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Vern stepping away from the mic after the 2016 season. A lot of people like to hammer Vern. A lot of people just like to hammer people who have reached the pinnacles of their profession. That's kind of a unique characteristic about America. We love to rip someone apart at the top, and then we love the comeback story. We love to build them back up, and we love to rip them down. Probably a sad commentary on society right there, but Vern Lundquist, I think Vern, Vern makes mistakes, we all do, but I, I think I would put Vern at the top of his profession. And I hate to see him go. I love the voice. It's probably that last guy from the Keith Jackson genre of college football announcers. Whoa, Nelly. Fern fits right along in there with Keith Jackson. Kind of a passing of an age in college football. These guys who narrate these stories for us every Saturday in the fall. Now Fern Lundquist stepping away. Who knows, 20 years, we, we just may have rappers up there rapping the play-by-play. <laughs> Who knows what the future brings. But Fern Lundquist certainly represents uh, the end of an era. I, I love to hear Brent Musburger call a game. Maybe that's just my age showing. But I often hear those guys criticized. But, hey, Ron Franklin, love to hear Ron Franklin call a game. He was from that Keith Jackson kind of school of play-by-play. But nevertheless, Vern will be in Oxford on September the 17th when the Rebels host the Crimson Tide. I'll tell you right here, right now, and we'll close with this. I think Ole Miss beats Alabama for the third consecutive year. And I'm not just saying that off the hill. Looking at Alabama, how their quarterback situation may be that early in the season in particular, the fact that uh, Bama seems to stumble early every season before finally pulling everything together, and usually, at least for the last two years, that stumble has been to Ole Miss, I think bodes well for the Rebels in that game. And you know what? Kind of like that, act like you've been here before. I'll make this prediction. I don't think the goalposts come down in Oxford this time. Third year in a row, I don't think there's a storming of the field. It's going to be one hell of a party in the Grove afterwards. I don't think they tear the goalposts down this time. I was caught up in that mess last time, Dave. Yeah, I, can they even tear them down? Did, did they, uh, don't they have the uh, retraction now where they can just drop down after, after the game if there seems to be a rush on the field? Uh, maybe they, maybe, yeah. maybe they do. They didn't at the time, but uh, I remember the waning seconds coming off that clock. The last oh, I was there too. Down. Yeah, I was on the 30-yard line on the Alabama side of the stadium. I took about five steps onto the field when the final whistle blew, and it was pandemonium by then. And just to sit there and watch. These people jump over the rails, some to their very peril. I mean, because I'm telling you, that's about a, I'd say that's a good eight-foot foot leap 
from the student section to the field uh, when you're talking about going over the top of the railing. And, and it was particularly interesting to watch these young ladies in their very fashionable dresses and high heels holding their clutch or their purses and their drink, leaping over the railing onto the playing surface of Bought Hemingway Stadium. And then, uh, and I've got a YouTube video of that, maybe Alabama Week, uh, that I shot myself. That maybe Alabama Week, I'll uh, I'll post that up. Um, but uh, the funniest thing I saw, and this was really, uh, look, there were there were thirty thousand people on the field. So I'm sitting there watching these two police officers, and for whatever reason, they eyeball this one guy, and they take him down jumping over the railing and onto the field. This one poor college kid who's excited as the other 60,000 in the stadium and the other 29,999 on the field, he's the one guy they take down. And I just had to pause for a minute and go, why? <laughs> why was he the one? Uh, but but anyway, I, and I've got that on video too. I may, I may just have to put that up Alabama week this year. That would be some fun viewing right there. Uh, the last time uh, the Crimson Tide came to Oxford and the pandemonium that occurred afterwards. What a day that was. What a day that was. Greatest was. Uh, instant replay drama and call in the history of Ole Miss football when Sinquest Golson intercepted the pass. And I was, as I mentioned, I was on the Alabama sideline. So I'm watching Nick Saban. And I've gotten down there now to where I'm probably 15 yards from Saban. He's on the headset. So I probably knew a good 45 seconds before the officials made the announcement how it was going to go just based on the expression on Nick Saban's face. It was over. Nick had gotten the call down from the booth. Coach Saban, his foot was in. And it was over. What a magical moment at the ball. That's what we've got to look forward to this fall, folks. So if all of this other stuff's got you down, feeling blue, there's going to be some games to be played. <laughs> and I think there's going to be a reckoning. I just got a feeling that these Ole Miss Rebels, when they play a couple of schools this year, it's going to go beyond personal. Particularly that last one that is in Oxford this year. I think that one means more to, uh, may mean more to a collection of Ole Miss football players than any time that game will have ever been played in the history of the series for obvious reasons that we don't even have to discuss. And I think it comes at a year in which Ole Miss can probably execute whatever their game plan may be for that opponent the way they want to execute it. That's going to do it for us. Dave, anything else you want to throw in there? Any icing for the cake? Well, uh, you were talking about um, the Alabama game. You know, there was some questions on the board, you know, and, and I'm telling you, even through, through all this, fans are pumped up and excited about that. Uh, you know, one of our uh, uh, subscribers said, uh, well, what about uh, college game day? You know, that is a decision that they make uh, week to week there. And, you know, they, they wanted to know if, if game day was going to be there uh, for the Alabama game. And I can't imagine, David, it, it, it comes down to Ole Miss, taking care of Florida in the opener in the season opener. If Ole Miss does that and you're going into week three of the season, both teams uh three and oh, let's just we're we're just saying here, both teams three and oh, 
and the headline, can Ole Miss do it three years in a row? I can't imagine a bigger headline than that that week. So uh, if that all folds into place, you are going to have college game day for the second time in Oxford, and um, it it will be a madhouse of excitement. We already know the storyline for that game. It's already written. You know, can can the Rebels three-peat? Can someone beat Saban three years in a row? Nick Saban could rob a 7-Eleven on Thursday night and get arrested for it. The headline on Saturday would still be, can Ole Miss beat Alabama three years in a row? Nothing is going to change that, that storyline for that game. Uh, no matter what happens with Ole Miss and Florida State, no matter what happens with Alabama, and I believe they open up with USC, no matter what happens, that storyline is, is 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 chiseled in stone. Three-peat. Can it happen? <clears throat> Will it happen? What does it mean if it happens? That's what you've got to look forward to. There will be a record crowd <clears throat> inside Vaughn Hemingway Stadium that day, the largest crowd they ever watched Ole Miss play football in Oxford. will be inside that stadium that day, that newly expanded stadium. I don't know that they'll break that record the week before when Wofford comes to town. But on September the 17th, a new attendance record will be set for Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. You can write that down in stone. Go ahead and chisel that in. So lots to look forward to. It all starts with a baseball regional this weekend. Baseball team's alive and well. Trying to get back to Omaha for the second time in three years. What if that happens? Wow. I tell you what, if that happens, and next year, the first time somebody posts a thread about Mike Bianco needs to go, I I, I don't know what I'll do. This man is the seventh all-time winningest coach in SEC baseball history. If he takes them back to Omaha for a second time in three years, there should be no criticism. not saying he's not subject to being criticized. You gotta gotta use your noggin. Look at his body of work. It's been fantastic. Where was Ole Miss baseball before Mike Bianco got here? Remember Pat Harrison? Do you remember that guy? The guy who was bound and determined all the players that he brought in had to be from the state of California. Remember him? Man, look at Bianco's signing class. Look at the lineup. How much Mississippi flavor is on that Ole Miss baseball team? It's absolutely incredible. That's what you want. Winning it with home state kids. Superb job by Mike Bianco. Dave, we have chatted here for an hour. And again, this was nothing structured. We just had a conversation with you. Let us know what you think about it. Post up under the thread on the Shark Tank message board. And we wish you all a very, very merry regional weekend. For Dave Bevan, I am David Johnson for 247 Sports. Adi Kadi.